Welcome back to the Cinderella Theorem. If you missed the previous chapters, you can find them on this podcast in the episode list. And now, chapter four, pretzels, again. Even though I was only allowed to have one math class, I was glad, for once, to get to school. For me, school now equaled normal. School now equaled normal because of yesterday, because of my weekend plans, and because King Tub stayed the night at our house. If I turn out seriously arranged, I will not be surprised at all. On my walk to school, I thought about how I could not possibly tell anyone a shred of truth about my birthday. Oh wait, I could tell them what we ate, right up until the magic ice cream. Last year, my friend Cory thought her life was ruined because her four-year-old brother ran through her birthday party stark naked, screaming about poopy. Cory was clearly clueless as to what ruins a birthday. Before yesterday, I planned to work on some equations from an old math book over the weekend. Now, I was going to E.G. Smith's Salty Fireland to be formally introduced to the populace. Great. When Corey asks me what I'm doing this weekend, instead of saying, nothing really, just some math, I'll now be able to say, nothing really, just getting away with my formerly dead father and liar mother to the parallel kingdom in our bathtub to be introduced to a bunch of fairy tale princesses and talking animals. I felt very distracted. Dwarves and berets kept coming down the stairs in my mind. And my parents win the award for the world's strangest marriage. When mom told me King Tub was staying the night, I thought, oh, well, maybe the door only works once a day or something, so he can't get back tonight. That was a false assumption. Any good mathematician knows false assumptions can destroy an otherwise sound theory. It turns out they wanted to sleep in the same bed again. As I passed my mother in the upstairs hallway, I asked a very rational question about this. Don't you think having him sleep in your room will be weird since you haven't seen him in 15 years? Mom smiled. You haven't seen him in 15 years, Lil. I've seen him nearly every day since you were born. Of course. This made absolute perfect sense. Why shouldn't she have seen him? I mean, my goodness, the man ruled a fairy tale kingdom and traveled through a bathtub. Why wouldn't he have time to see his wife? Mom continued, when you were a baby, he'd come over during your naps, and later, when you started school, your father would come over while you were gone. We'd spend the mornings together, or sometimes I'd go to Smith's SFL to see him, then he'd run the kingdom in the afternoons, and I'd get some writing done. The law only separated the two of you. Oh, I said, it's nice that you not only lied to me, but had secret trysts with my father every day, too. I started to walk away. Lily, Mom called. It wasn't like that. You know he couldn't see you until you turned 15. I sighed. I know that's what you're telling me now. You could be lying again. It was a little mean of me to accuse her of lying. I was 90% sure she wasn't lying about this, but all the brattiness I'd been pushing down was leaking out around me. Lily, Mom pleaded the law, sweetie. Try to understand. I turned around the doorway of my room. I understand, Mom, I said impatiently. I'm going to go to bed now, or is there something weird about my bedroom you haven't told me? Do the three little pigs live in my closet? Of course they don't, Lily. They live in the fourth wood. (sighs) Mom sighed. Look, things are weird now. I know that. Will you just try to be understanding? She moved a little closer to me. You're lucky, Lily. You aren't stuck living a plain old normal life. You're going to get to experience so many things that people will never be able to imagine or believe. I closed the door to my room. I could not fathom why my mother thought I was lucky and what exactly was wrong with being normal. In statistics, there is a whole equation devoted to the normal way data is distributed. This is called standard normal distribution. It is especially useful in analyzing the data related to test, battery life, and coin flipping. Speaking of statistics, my parents have obviously not seen any on teenagers. 
Otherwise, they would know that being normal, not being royal or lied to, was the single most important factor in the equation of high school. When I got to school Friday morning, I waited by the east door for Corey. Corey always arrived at 7.40. Always. This is because Corey's father was obsessed with punctuality and order. He left for work at the same time each day, and since he dropped her off, she always arrived at the same time. A simple equation. Usually, I formulated some quick equations about the number of kids at the door before and after she arrived, but before the bell rang at 7.55. Sometimes, I estimated how many would arrive before her or what percentage would be wearing a certain color. But today, I didn't really feel like doing math. Not feeling like doing math equaled a clue something was seriously wrong in my life. Happy birthday! Corey gave me a clumsily wrapped present. I would have given it to you yesterday, but... But you were busy faking sick to get out of your math placement test? I really did have an upset stomach from freaking out about your test. I can't believe you missed the first day of school just to have an extra day of study. Corey was obsessed with history. She couldn't get enough of Henry VIII and Tsarina Alexandra. Her history obsession made her a tad deficient in the mathematical areas of the world. I thought it was a little strange to be so captivated by dead people, but she thought it was equally strange to spend your free time reading books about ratios and proportions. It's called test anxiety, Lily. It's an epidemic. Corey was in what I thought was a very easy math class. If I were in her class, my only anxiety would come from knowing I could teach the class in my sleep. But since dead people are her thing, I guess that's okay. To each her own. I opened the present. Do you like it? Corey gets very excited by birthdays. The present was a biography of Isaac Newton, Mr. Laws of Motion himself. I think it's a nice compromise between history and math, she said. I smiled. Did I like it? I'd only been hinting to my mother about this book for three months, and instead of mathy goodness in the form of the life of Sir Isaac Newton, my parents gave me a book of fairy tales. Yeah, I was thrilled by that gift. The value of Corey's present to me was incredibly greater than the book of little kid bedtime stories. I love it. Thank you very much, Corey. So, where did you go for dinner last night? Did you see any famous writers like you did last year? Corey flipped her dark hair behind her shoulder. Last year, Mom was on tour for her latest book on my birthday. I joined her in New York City, and when we went out to celebrate, Mom bumped into a group of famous writers. They all wrote poems and little story things for me about my birthday, right there in the restaurant. Well, what was I supposed to say? We didn't go out, we just had my favorite meal at home. There, my answer to Corey equaled the truth. Sort of. You ate at home? You never ate at home for your birthday. See? Corey understood the mathematical quandary that yesterday threw me into. She understood the normal way of celebrating my birthday. I know. Was there any way I could change the subject? My mom just wanted to celebrate quietly at home. She's been kind of busy since the last book tour. Also truth, mom did finish a big promotional tour in July. Of course she'd want to be alone with her only daughter for her daughter's 15th birthday. Alone with her living, non-deceased husband and seven dwarfs carrying food. Bummer. Corey genuinely understood my dis birthday disappointment. I mean, she did have the naked four-year-old poopy screamer last year. Well, what did you get? Hmm, what did I get? Nothing much, just my father, access to another world, and a book of barely believable children's stories. A book? Truth again. Stats on truth-telling? Lily equals 100%. Not the book I gave you. Corey was horrified that she might have accidentally made my birthday worse. No, I guess Mom was too distracted to notice all the hints I left about Newton. I think Corey would have asked what the title of the book was if the fight hadn't started right then. Kelly Stewart and Trista Anderson started fighting over who was stealing whose boyfriend. Mr. Hatfield, our principal, and several other teachers ran over to stop the girls. I was blissfully swept away for the moment in a normal high school routine. Fights at school equal normal. 
Normal equals, well, normal. My first class was legendary literature. Even though it was only the second day of school and two days do not equal sufficient time to form an opinion of a class, I did not like that class. And after today's assignment, I knew I never would. We're going to analyze fairy tales this semester. Everything Mrs. Fox says seems to possess an exclamation mark. I rolled my eyes, not more fairy tales. It was like I made an error at the beginning of a long equation and now I couldn't get the answer to make sense. When did my life become so full of fairy tales? Who wrote fairy tales? Why have they survived? Why do we enjoy them so much? These are some of the questions we are going to answer. Mrs. Fox continued on and on. Let's go around the room and share our favorite tales. Panic. I did not know any fairy tales. After quickly examining my options, I decided to just copy someone else's answer. Why don't we start with... Mrs. Fox looked around the room for a victim while her sentence hung there waiting for its exclamation mark. Lily! I should have known. Was it mathematically possible for Smith's SFL to be working its magic against me even at school? Wait, there could be no answer to that question because I had not yet proven Smith's SFL was mathematically possible. Therefore, the question of whether or not... Lily? How is it possible to ask a question and make an exclamatory statement? Uh, well, I... Dumb fairy tales. They have turned me into incoherent mush. I tried to recall anything King Tub might have said about a fairy tale last night. Oh, I like that King Midian guy. A few people in the class snickered. Mrs. Fox looked puzzled for a moment and then, Oh, you mean King Midas! An excellent tale! She raced to the board to write King Midas. The woman even moved like an exclamation. Becky, tell us your favorite! Becky pulled Rapunzel out of the air. Isn't she the one that slept for a hundred years? I stopped paying attention shortly after this and was in a happy state of solving for X in my head when Mrs. Fox exclaimed, For your homework this weekend, I want you to read The Little Mermaid and write a few sentences in your fairy tale journal about this wonderful tale. For extra credit, tell why you think this tale made Anderson so famous. Who was Anderson? Was The Little Mermaid the one with the evil stepmother and the poison apple? And what was a fairy tale journal? But on the brighter side of things, I now had something to talk to King Tub about while we portaled to worlds beyond the plumbing. The rest of the day was an unmathematical event not worth remembering. The substitute in history never found the lesson plans to give us an assignment. She let us do whatever instead. I read about lovely Mr. Newton. No one was home when I arrived. Normally, I would have thought this strange since Mom worked from home, but my ideas about strangeness have shifted somewhat since yesterday's festivities. Figuring Mom and King Tub were off gallivanting in the salt world, I got my pretzels and decided to do my biology homework. I had just answered a question about DNA and its importance to all things living when the brown dwarf from last night crashed onto the dining room table in front of me. Hi, your highness, he said as a voice from above started shouting. You weren't supposed to let her see you. I looked up. The woman in all purple was sitting on the chandelier where I suppose the brown dwarf had just been. We're so sorry, princess, she continued, though she didn't really sound sorry as she started on Mr. Brown. Geez, Peridium, all you had to do was stay up here and she would never have known we were here. She sighed, jumped, and landed on the table also. Um, why were you up there? I asked, very logically. Her Majesty sent us through the tub to make sure you had an afternoon snack. After we put in your pretzels for today, Peridium said, she paused here and looked hard at poor Mr. Brown, that he wanted to climb the light. Then you came home and we were stuck and stupid Peridium fell on your homework. Oh, I said as if dwarves dressed in one color falling from my ceiling were an everyday occurrence. Did you like the pretzels? Peridium asked. I smiled, nodded, and helped Peridium and Miss Purple off the table. I didn't know how much more of this normal life I could stand. Thank you for listening to this chapter. 
If you can't wait a week for the next installment, you can always purchase the Cinderella Theorem on Amazon.com in either a print or Kindle version. If you have friends who would enjoy the story, tell them about this podcast. I love to hear from my fans, so if you have a question for me, please reach out on the Lily Sparrow Chronicles Facebook page. Until then, may all your stories have happy endings.